Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Good morning. God is good. He is so good. We can do better than that. God is so, so, so good. Um, Over these last few weeks and months, I've just been so thankful for Jesus. I am so thankful. Sometimes I think we don't realize who we have living on the inside, who we have every moment of our lives. We have Jesus with us. And I, I found myself uh, the other day in my room just going, Jesus, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm just so thankful for you. And I just want to share a couple of things that um, the Lord has been showing me over the last month or so as I've been praying for us, the body, the church. So I'm going to read um, from Philippians and I will carry on from there. It says, So this is Paul speaking. It says, Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life. I love that. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Amen. That is who we are in Christ. That is who we have on the inside. I'm just going to declare that again over us. Thank you, Father, that your church can do all things which you have called us to do through you who strengthens and empowers us to fulfill your purpose, that we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. We are ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses us with inner strength and confident peace. And when I, um, when I received that, I just felt like God's presence just wrap around me and realizing, you know, Paul went through some awful things, probably um, more severe things than any of us have been through. Yet he was able to declare that. He was able to speak that out because he knew who it was living on the inside of them. That every moment of every day he had Christ on the inside and that there is not a moment or a circumstance or a storm that we face without Jesus. Without him, Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that God wants to strengthen us in these weeks and months ahead. But it says in Psalm 18, For you will light my lamp, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Isaiah 40 said, He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, He will increase your strength. Even the youth shall 
shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. This is you. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. When you feel like you cannot walk, when you feel like you cannot run, His overcoming spirit on the inside of you, His voice on the inside of you is saying, you can do all things for I live on the inside of you. It's not in our own power. It's not in our own ability. It's not in our own strength. Thank you, Jesus. But it is in Him. Our weakness does not matter. Our weakness, our inability does not matter to Him because He lives in us. And if we have Christ, we have everything. If we have Christ, we are victorious. If we have Christ, we are overcomers. If we have Christ, we are more than conquerors in this life. Amen. If we have Christ living on the inside, we are able to overcome the situations around us. And um, you know, in the world today, we know that there is an identity crisis, an identity confusion going on. And God said to me, the church must not have an identity crisis. We know who we are in Christ. The church must not come into an identity crisis. And I want to read some truth out over us. And I was praying this the other day. And as I was speaking this out, it was like breath going into the body. And I saw this body which represented us the church and it was sort of bowed down but as the truth of who God said we were began to enter into the body she began to arise strong in him and it says we have been established anointed and sealed by God we are a citizen of heaven we are hidden with Christ in God we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind we do not live under the spirit of fear, but we live under the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I believe that is so important for the young generation. They do not come under the spirit of fear, but they come under his spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And that spirit rejects rejection. That spirit rejects fear. That spirit rejects anxiety. His spirit is upon our lives. We have been born of God and the evil one cannot touch us. We have been justified. We have been bought with a price and we belong to God. We are holy and set apart for him. We have been adopted as God's child. We are complete in Christ. We are salt to the earth and light to this world. That is our destiny. That is our purpose. That we are salt to the earth and light to this world. We are a branch of the true vine, Jesus. A channel of his life. We have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. We are a personal witness to Christ. We magnify Jesus in this world. That is who the church is. We are a temple of God. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms far above. We heard it far above every principality, every power. 
power and every name that is named. We are his workmanship created for good works and we can do all things through Christ. We have been justified, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. We are covered and clothed with Jesus Christ. This is who we are in him. We are voices of truth, carriers and proclaimers of the gospel. We don't have an identity crisis. Our identity is in Christ. We are loved. We are accepted. We are empowered by Him. And I've been looking at the story of Daniel. And God really spoke to me through the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And in this story, we know that the king Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the fire. And they, their response said, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And I love this story because... What was sent to destroy them? What was sent to defeat them? What was sent to crush them and stop them could not. And we know the story that in the fire, there was the image of the fourth man, which was like the son of man. And what was sent to crush them and defeat them and stop them could not. And I love how it says, and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power and the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. And when I read that, God said to me, that is a picture of my church in Christ. That when the fire comes, sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, we want to pray the fire away. God, I do not want to go through the storm. But sometimes God will not remove the storm, but he will take you through it and he will cause you to come out victorious and the smell of fire will not be on your life. In the midst of the fire, they were victorious. And in the midst of the fire, they had a greater revelation of who their God was. Amazing. They stepped into a miracle. They stepped into the super supernatural. Maybe in myself, I would have been, been praying that somehow the fire did not light, but they saw a miracle in that moment. And they came out with a greater revelation of who their God is. And so in the midst of the fire, his spirit on the inside of us causes us to arise and to stand strong in him. And um, just making sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just making sure. Um, so yeah, over the last few weeks, I've been praying for the church and just speaking out victory and speaking out different uh, scriptures that God's been giving me. And I kept seeing Val, Val Church. Uh, she knows what I'm going to share. And um, Val in this picture represented the church. And so I'm praying uh, week upon week. And I just keep seeing Val. And I was like, well, that's a bit strange. Just keep seeing Val, lovely lady. Um, and one night I was just spending time with the Lord about something completely different. And he reminded me of something that somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago. That if you keep seeing somebody in a dream or a vision, um, look up their name. Find out what their name means. And then God said to me, look up the name Valerie, which is her full name. 
And the name Valerie means valiant, brave, strong, healthy, courageous, bold. And in this picture, Val represented the church. And when God looks at his church, he sees a valiant, brave, strong, healthy, courageous church in him. That when he looks at us in Christ, he sees his victory. He sees his power, his strength. In my weakness, then I am strong. I love when Paul says, I rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of God can be made known. Your weakness does not matter. Your problems do not matter. It is Him living on the inside of us. Though I be weak, yet I am strong in my God. And God wants to infuse His strength on the inside of us because there is stuff coming and there's stuff today that He knows that His body needs to remain strong. And it will not come from their own ideas. It will not come from their own strength or their own ability. It will come from a people so rooted, so surrendered, so yielded in their God, so in love with their God that nothing can take them away. They know who they are. They know who they belong to. And it will come from that place of being in Christ Jesus, that if we have Him, we have everything we need. God said to me, Jennifer, my victory is enough for you. Do you believe that? My victory is enough for you. I am enough for you. If you have me, you have love, you have joy, you have peace, you have life, you have grace, you have wisdom, you have the courage to move through what might feel like mud, what might feel like a mountain. My spirit on the inside of you will cause you to run against a troop, to leap over every wall. God has not called you a victim, but you are victorious. And I'm speaking it out over the church because God's showed me a picture. And it's like, when we speak victory, it resounds, it moves. And he calls his church valiant, brave, strong, healthy, and courageous. And there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, strength and dignity are her clothing. And her position is strong and secure. She rejoices, smiles, and laughs over the future. And I found myself bubbling up with joy a couple of months ago. Um, some people, my extended family, are going through some stuff. And I shouldn't be happy. <laughs> and I shouldn't be bubbling up with joy. But when we look at the future, we know who we have on the inside and we know who is with us and we know that the victory has been won and we know ultimately our God wins and our God reigns. And so there's a joy that comes from His Spirit that arises on the inside of us in the midst of problems. And I want to finish um, with this picture the other day, I was praying with some of these wonderful ladies that we pray with, and I had a picture of Jesus on the cross. And the moment that he shouted out, it is finished, it is done, I saw a victory blast go out, and it went from age to age, 
from generation to generation through to this present day and beyond. And there is victory for every single person. There is victory for every bondage, every sin. At that moment when he said it is finished and it is done, victory resounded out from that moment that we could be set free from sin, that we can be set free from the things that hold us. And that is true for us today. And I'd just like you to stand. In Isaiah 6, it says, The train of his robe fills the temple. And with that story, they used to cut off the robe of different kings that they had defeated. And they would sew it on to the robe to show basically how many victories they had won. And if the train of his robe fills the temple, there is victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. And if we are that temple, then the train of his robe fills his victory fills his temple his victory fills our lives so I just want you to lift up your hands and thank him we thank you for your victory Jesus we thank you Lord that your victory has become our victory that your victory has become our victory, Jesus. Thank you that you live on the inside of us. Your victorious, overcoming spirit lives in us today. Thank you, Jesus, for that victory. Thank you, Lord, that your victory fills your temple. You are so good, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just speak that victory out over your own life. Thank you, Jesus. I take hold of your victory, Lord God. If you are the head, then Lord God, then I am your body. And your victory is over your body, far above every principality and power and every name that is named. Jesus, we are seated in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pass on to Michelle. Hello. That was so good, wasn't it? So encouraging. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, the wonderful one, the glorious one, the almighty one. I just want to start uh, with a quote that kind of sums up what God's taken me through recently. And it's from favorite TV show, The Chosen. I'm sure loads of you have seen it and are familiar with it. And I think it's from the first episode. And there's this fantastic line where Mary Magdalene has been healed by Jesus. And Nicodemus asks her, what's happened to you? And she says, oh, trying to get emotional. I was one way. And now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And that's my testimony this morning, that over the past few weeks I was one way. And now, thank you, Jesus, I'm completely different. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to give a, a bit of testimony. And uh, as Jen and, and Pastor Clive have said, uh, we've been praying for you guys and, and the church recently. And um, the thing that God kept saying to me uh, when I pr was praying for the church was this one word, reset. And every time I came to pray, he said the same thing, reset. So I started looking into that, and um, in the dictionary, it's to start again after a period of rest or change, 
to set again or anew. And he gave me a really simple but easy to understand analogy about broken bone. Say we have a broken bone in our, our foot or our hand, something quite small. We've got two choices. We can address it straight away, go and get it fixed, maybe put in plaster or have it set. And that bone then aligns back where it's meant to be and there is a healing that happens. Or we can say, actually, it doesn't really make too much difference to my life. It's quite a small bone. It's not too painful. I think I can carry on. But what happens over time and the more we leave it is that bone gets more and more misaligned. Yeah. It becomes more and more painful and eventually you can't use that finger or, or toe or whatever it is. And then we have to say, do you know what? I need to go and get this sorted out. And we go back to the doctors, whatever. And what happens more often than not when that bone has fused wrongly is they then have to re-break that bone and reset it. So let us be people that go to Jesus straight away, <laughs> who don't have time to get so misaligned that there is a huge amount of pain and more breaking that needs to happen, but we keep a short account with Jesus and with one another. So um, the most obvious example of reset in the Bible that Jesus brought to mind Matthew 21, 12 onwards, which is Jesus cleansing the temple. So I think we know that story where Jesus goes to the temple and it's full of people selling and doing all the stuff. And, and he goes in and he cleanses that temple. He's clearing out what man has made the temple to be. It was never meant to be that. But who's the temple now? We are, we are the temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was so far removed from God's original plan that Jesus had to go in and turn the tables over. And I've, I really heard him say, get ready for some tables to be overturned in our lives. We're now the temple of the Holy Spirit and God won't allow misuse of his temple. Interestingly, straight after Jesus had gone in and cleansed the temple in quite a bold way, shall we say, um, they, the, the people that were there brought sick people to him and he healed them all straight away after that. And I've just written here, healing is found in the resetting of our surrender to Jesus. So going on to personal testimony, um, how this followed on in my life, because who knows that when we pray and we hear God for the church, he often starts it in us first. <laughs> um, so I had some stuff going on in my life. Um, and often when we hear God for a situation, he begins to work not in our circumstances, but in our hearts. And I'd been going through uh, many months of uh, some severe pain in my body. And that's all I want to say about that. I'm not giving any glory to that whatsoever. But it's just to put it in context of the testimony. And one day, uh, after it's been going on for a long time, I was again on my knees, desperate in prayer. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's only in those places of desperation we truly understand our need for Jesus. I can't do it. There's nothing I can do. It has to be you. And I clearly heard the Lord say, three days. And that was it. I said, three days and I'm going to be healed. Three days and you're going to say something. What? I, heard, I didn't hear anything else. So I knew that there is, um, there, you know, uh, biblical uh, numbers have a biblical meaning. So I looked up the number three. And it means completion and wholeness. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And I knew in that moment, it's like God gifted me such faith like I haven't actually experienced before. I knew in, that, in three days I was going to be completely healed. I, I just knew it. 
And it didn't actually matter that in those three days I actually was in more pain than I had been in. I just knew that I knew that I knew that God had done it, that he'd healed me. And nothing was going to shake that. And that was a gift from him. Jesus then started to speak to me about the power of the third day. So you can see where this is going, right? <laughs> the power of the third day. Um, and Jesus then took me over the next three days through quite a, quite a journey. Um, he started to unfold to me what happened during the three days between his death and resurrection in a way that I could understand for the circumstances that I was walking through. And how that parallels so much of what he desires us to go through as his children, to, for us to understand. <clears throat> and as I say, it was, it was very intense, it was challenging, it was hard. But the good news is it was also wonderful and glorious and completely freeing journey that he took me through. And it would be something that actually changed, changed my life forever, understanding what he'd done. So... It was a bit of a process, and uh, so I'll just take you through that. So firstly comes surrender, that word, that, that surrender. But actually I've come to know that word is the most beautiful, freeing, marvellous word that we can have, you know, that if we understand true surrender. So in Luke 22:42, Jesus, you know, is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's arrested. He's praying so intensely that he even perspires blood. He's wrestling about what he knows is about to happen and he says father if you're willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done so Jesus as a man he had to face the reality of his situation and we all have to face the reality of our situation we don't pretend they're not going on we have to face them and he asks father if it's possible to take this cup from him but he chooses surrender it's a choice right God will never wrestle us into surrender. He will never push us into surrender. It's a choice that we have. So my journey into a deeper level of surrender became, uh, begun. And it was, you know, it was tough, I'll be honest. God put his finger on things in my life that uh, weren't good for me and weren't good for the people around me. And he does that because of his deep, deep, deep love for us. Not because he wants to tell us off, but because he wants to put things right in our lives so that we can experience his freedom and his mercy and his grace. Next in the story of Jesus comes, comes the death. Jesus had to experience physical death in his body. Now, we don't have to experience that in the same way because he's already done that for us. But <laughs> we have to experience death to our flesh, death to self, death to my plans, my purposes, my prejudices, my preferences, my hopes, my dreams, all those things. But there's also a death to the affliction of the enemy for the thing that has got us on our knees in the first place. There's also a death and an end point to the things that the devil has been inflicting on us. So I went through that and that, again, that was going to look different for everybody depending on what circumstances you're finding yourselves in. So next, revealed to me, the next step after the death comes, this is the good bit, 
victory. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' death brings us eternal victory. He established that victory through the power of his death. Colossians 2.13 says, He made a public spectacle of the enemy, and we know that he took the keys to death and hell. Victory over sin, sickness, pain, disease, everything else, he has the victory. It's done. It's already established. We just need to understand that and walk in that. So that was, that was a good day. That was a good day in the three days, understanding the victory that he's already done it. But we don't reach the victory unless we're willing to go through the surrender and the death. That's right. So then we know that on the third day comes the resurrection. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that glorious third day when God the Father breathes his breath of life back into Jesus' body and he is resurrected. And I was really, you know, really struck by how, you know, um, on the crucifixion, Jesus' body was so bloodied and so bruised uh, that Isaiah 52 tells us that he would be so disfigured beyond that of any human being, unrecognisable. So in three days, that's not possible for someone to be healed of those wounds in the natural. But when we spend time with the Father, it's done in an instant. And the only scars that Jesus bore were as proof to other people so that other people would believe who he was, who he said he was. The last part of my three-day journey, which is actually ongoing, um, is transformation. Transformation. When Jesus was resurrected, you know, we know it, it tells us that he was completely transformed. So much so that the, his disciples who had spent the last three years with him, who loved him and knew him intimately, they didn't even recognize him. He was so transformed. And transformation happens as a result of the surrendered heart, death to the flesh, and understanding Jesus' victory and allowing God to breathe his breath of life into us again. <clears throat> so transformation, I believe, is, is an ongoing process. I'm definitely not at the finished article. I'm still a project, but I'm completely different to who I was a few weeks ago in so many ways. And obviously that's been a journey for me. And as I say, it's, it will look different for everybody. So getting back to the, uh, the third day. So I went to bed on that second day evening. I was so excited. Even though my body was in, in a lot of pain, I just knew. I just knew that the next morning things were going to be different. And the next morning, I got up and I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't even, I couldn't even have the words. I would say my body was 99% healed, completely healed. No pain, no problem, just the tiniest little, which is, as, has since also been healed. So I stand here completely healed, completely delivered, completely transformed. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to you. Uh, and I just want to make it clear that I did, I did nothing. It was all a work of his mercy and his grace and actually him allowing me to go through that journey. 
So the catalyst for me was a physical affliction, as I said, but it can be anything, anything in our lives that gets us on our knees before Jesus. When we finally realize our true need of him and come to that beautiful place of surrender. God can use our deepest pain, affliction, troubles to totally transform us if we allow him to. He will never, as I said, never wrestle us into surrender. It has to be our choice and our desire. And we can only walk in the fullness of freedom when we choose to let go of the things that bind us and hold us and restrict us. So God desires for each of us to be free. That's always been his plan for us. And I just, when I was praying about this, you know, the reason we give testimony, first and foremost, is to give glory to God, to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. All the glory goes to you. Secondly, it's so that the people who are hearing, their faith gets stirred, they're encouraged. So my prayer today is that everyone here would be encouraged, that your faith would be stirred, that you can say, do you know what? If you did it for so-and-so and so-and-so, you can do that for me because we are all his children. He desires the same outcome for all of us, no matter what the, you know, the situation is that we're facing. And also, as we give testimony, just a little bonus point, the person giving testimony becomes more and more free. So I thank you, Jesus, that I'm becoming more and more free as I'm saying this. Um, and as I was praying about this morning, I did have a couple of words of knowledge, which Pastor Clive said it's fine for me to go ahead with. So... I had a, quite a specific word of knowledge for one, one person, I think, and then more of a general, general word of knowledge. And the reason why God gives us these things is because he really wants to pinpoint specific things in people's lives and say, I'm talking to you today. <laughs> the first one was, I believe that there is a person or a couple who are just about to make a really significant financial decision. I sensed it was to do with a building or a business or a home, something like that, something on quite a big scale. And it's something that is your heart's desire and you've worked towards this and it's been a a real wonderful thing for you to see it just about to happen. And I really believe that the Lord is saying, surrender that to me. See what I'm going to do in the midst of that. Now, I'm not saying for one minute, please hear me. I'm not saying for one minute that God's saying don't do it at all. That's not what I'm saying. That's between him and you. But what I believe he's saying is surrender that thing to me. Surrender that decision, that property, whatever it is that you're, you know, you're about to invest in, surrender it to me and see what I will do in the midst of that. He's always got a greater plan than we can ever understand, right? And the second one, which is a bit more of a general, um, a general word, is control. That one word. Now, I, I can speak to myself here because I'm someone whose personality sits quite on this side of things. Do you like to be in control of your life? And by that, I mean really micromanage the minutiae of your life and the life of your family. Have all your ducks in a row. Have your five-year plan. And when things don't quite go according to your plans and expectations, it causes you a lot of distress. That's how you know it's crossed over from having good, good plans for your life and having order in your life into control. So that when things happen, you spiral and you can't cope with that. 
And of course, it's going to be distressing for you because God never meant you to take on that amount of, of, of stress and that amount of decision making. He's, he's saying, if you're willing, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Let me be the one. Let me be the one. You don't need to do it all. So I just wanted to, yeah, to just put that out there. And I just want to finish by saying that God's incredible love, which is seen throughout the whole of Scripture, and his eternal words to us are come. Come to me. You know, the calling of the first disciples, come, follow me. He said that, um, the same to, to his, all his disciples. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, we all know this one. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I believe his invitation to us today, his love invitation to each of us today, is come to me. But the question is, and there's always a challenge, right? How are we going to respond to that? So thank you for listening to that. Um, I pray that you go out of here different to how you came in from everything that's been shared this morning. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.